Hello, folks, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf, and with me in the studio today is... Mushu, obviously. Come on. You guys think I want to be here for this episode? Okay. Merry Christmas. Uh, and my other co-host... Nellie. Nellie. She's also here for this episode. She's there. There's, uh, well, you are actually here for this episode in yeah. this reality. That's a very good observation. I'm just here to do the, the job that I know that you guys need me to. Mm. You're getting smarter. I know. Last week we taught him how to stand up and beg. I, and I finished uh, Dr. Seuss Green Eggs and Ham, and I feel like my intellect has just expanded. You know, I, I don't know the words that can come up now. No. Like vibrate. Vib- well, uh, vibr- uh. <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> Soon you'll be on Horton. Here's a who. Well, mm-hmm. I got the first four parts of that word, so I just got to read the second half, maybe, of uh, another book, and I'll get the rest. Wow. So I'm ready. No, I'm ready for this <clears> episode. <throat> you sound ready. Yeah, you sound stumbling over all your words. You sound yeah. ready. So uh, yeah, so so what, what we're doing today? Uh, before we get into it and get started with all of that, we're going to give out the email address. It's Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com. Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com. Send us your crazy stories. Let us know, folks, uh, in the comment section how much you like us. Because if not, we're just going to delete it. And then um, also join our groups, Paranormal Roundtable. Uh, Paranormal Encounters. Paranormal Lounge. Paranormal Lounge and Paranormal Encounters. And I am doing a joint venture with Ryan Tremblay. We are doing a Whisper to a Scream uh, podcast now. Here's the thing: Ryan's uh, had some 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 problems. His mother. I need everybody to send prayers. Uh, her her cancer has returned, and so he needs prayers. And uh, so we were supposed to launch the podcast. Actually, today it would have been the first day that we were going to do our show. But but with the situation going on with his mother, it's going to be delayed. It will eventually happen, folks. I I feel confident in that. But it, for now, it's delayed. So that's what's going on with that. A whisper to a scream. I've been re- you know, recruiting people to join the group. So if you could, guys, go into the Facebook and join those groups. Those are the groups we're involved in. I'm an admin and a whisper to a scream. And Paranormal Roundtable, Paranormal Lounge, Paranormal Encounters. So that being said, those are the groups. That's the email address. We have prtpodcast.com. You can go and you can purchase merchandise from the show. We got hoodies. We got neck gaiters. We got... Face masks. That's basically neck gaiters. Oh, that's what, that's yeah. what they're called. That's what yeah, that's what they're called. And then mm-hmm. we got uh, coffee mugs. We got backpacks. We got these drawstring bags. We got... What else we got? T-shirts. Stickers. Stickers. We got all kinds of stuff. So that, that, and we're also every week, like always, we're, we're going to, we're going to put the link up for the show on the Paranormal Roundtable group. Go and make a comment and you might be picked to win an autographed book. Uh, we got Ken Gerhardt. We got Chad Lewis. We got uh, David Weatherly. We got, uh, who else? Lyle, Lyle Blackburn. Blackburn. Nick Redfern, we got a bunch of people. So you'll get a book from uh, one of the uh, authors that was mentioned. Now, one of the things I was going to talk about, because it is December, and we were tr- we were going to try and get this show out a little sooner, but uh, earlier in the season anyway, and, and so we were going to talk about Krampus. Now, I don't know if most of you, most of you out there uh, know what that is or who that is. Um, you, you may or may not. <clears throat> um, it, it was... Um, Recently, it was talked about between me and another podcaster 
and her dad actually does uh, makes uh, Christmas car, uh, car or makes postcards. He had a business. Her name is Anne Celine, and she has a group called Caravan. She has a show. It's called Caravan. She has a radio station where they play uh, paranormal uh, shows back to back after five o'clock. And so we were talking about Krampus the other day, and um, it came up that I'm going to be doing a, a, a show about Krampus. Well, uh, like I was explaining to her, you know, a lot of people, they, they may not know the story of what Krampus is or who he is or w- what he has to do with Christmas. And I'm going to let uh, somebody explain to that in a minute here. Uh, my wife, Nellie, had said she didn't really know a whole lot about him. And I said, well, just wait. We get on the show, you know, because we've done a lot of research and you'll learn. So you're going to be kind of here learning with the rest of the audience. So so what we, what we were talking about, me and this other podcaster, was the the history of of who he was or is or what he did and what he has to do with Christmas, and it's it's kind of disturbing, honestly. Honestly, it's it's kind of creepy. I mean, you know, I started researching Krampus for a Christmas episode back in 2019. My first research delving into him or it or whatever it, it, you want to call it began in late September, early October of 2019 when I started posting in groups to gather information and possible stories to do a Krampus episode in December of 2019. Well, that didn't work out because I didn't, by the time Christmas came, and Tony, you know this, we did not have enough uh, stories to do a a show about it. And my co-host at the time, Sal, we we had kicked it around and December came and we didn't, we just, we didn't have enough. We had like two stories. So I thought, man, this is going to be hard trying to, you know, scrape up stories about this, you know. But over the course of the of, of another year, with me doing my due diligence and and being in bunches of different groups and constantly, you know, posting, keeping an eye out, and, and, yeah, exactly, and mm-hmm. asking people, and getting finally, I got enough information to do a Krampus episode, and I announced this months ago that we were going to be doing one for Christmas. So here we are. We're doing one for Christmas. Um, now, there is a tradition of, of like I was saying about, you know, I was talking about earlier, and Celine's dad doing the postcards. That's the tradition in, in foreign countries. They like to use Krampus on postcards. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, but Tony has done some research on it. Before we get into these uh, amazing stories that people have. Yeah, I've seen at least one movie, so I think I'm an expert now on it. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have done my fair share sweating and slaving to make sure I get you guys the true facts of Krampus. And what I have found is that he is a Germanic, uh, he has Germanic origins because Krampus is um, German. It's, it's a derivative from another word, which basically means claw. And... He's actually, I've read multiple, I've looked through multiple sites and it says that he's supposed to be the Norse, in the North mythology, there's a place called Hell and it's basically like their underworld and he's supposed to be the son of whoever rules over Hell, I guess, or whoever is, uh, if if their person is actually Hell themselves, but it's H-E-L, not H-E, double L and like it would be in Christianity and other stuff like that. But um, what's crazy about Krampus is that he's not like a enemy to Saint Nick. He's not. He's not like the. They're companions. They come together, mm-hmm. one or the other. And one does good, and one, one does. Of- one just punishes the bad. One mm-hmm. rewards the good. Um, it, they. 
it's like very matter of fact when I was reading some sites where they were like, yeah, sometimes it was just supposed to be like, yeah, the kids will wake up the next day and they would either get treats or they would be nursing their wounds mm-hmm. from Krampus. And it'd be like, well, wow. Yeah. And, and in today's age with the kids as bad as they are, we probably need a little more Krampus in yeah. our lives. Uh, somebody needs to cause them some cramps. Uh, Krampus is... He's definitely horrifying <laughs> to hear about. I mean, if you read some of these descriptions, you you know, you start, I, I start looking into it and you think like, oh, maybe is it a goat man? But then it says like, oh, he always comes with chains and he has a, t- uh, a tongue that just s- shoots out and is able to, it's like a projectile yeah. basically. And it's like, what yes. the heck is that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and me and you have not I haven't. We haven't. Yeah, talked, we haven't discussed our research. We haven't talked about this. You, and that's what, one of the stories. We, we, we Nelly knows. Nelly. Yeah, that's. I uh, you told me one earlier, and it was. It was frightening. Very weird. And and Anthony's in the studio too. And Anthony, you remember? And we were talking about this uh, one of them with the tongue thing. That is weird. That's mm-hmm. that you say that. Yeah, and that, that's immediately made me think. Like I've never heard of anything that had like a. It reminded me of like a chameleon kind of skin or like oh kind of just just shoots out basically uh-huh. is what from uh, the description I've read where it, he has like full control over it and is able to just like basically let it go do its own thing basically or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it, it just sounds scary to think about because it's, it's bad enough that you're running from this weird goat man during Christmas time when you're expecting Santa. But then he's like basically shooting his tongue at you and hooking it around you and dragging you back. Yeah, and and what's crazy about it too is like when, when I started getting these stories, these people didn't come to me and go, yeah, I saw Krampus. They just gave me stories and they're like, well, I don't know. One guy was like, I don't know what that is or who that is, but I- It happened had, around Christmas. It happened around Christmas and I had something paranormal that was weird that happened around Christmas. Now we did get a bevy of paranormal Christmas stories and we can do- that a whole nother show we're planning on probably doing that another couple of weeks closer to Christmas. But this one, we got some stories that if you put two and two together, I it's mean, like a maybe, it know? sounds like it could be, yeah, I mean, it, you know, and, and these were, so, uh, you got anything else to add to that? Um, what's, he's not bad per se. He's not meant like, I mean, yeah, he has, uh, there are descriptions of him like eating children and actually like uh, harming people really badly. But sometimes he just, you know, just punishes people. It's a punishment. It's not meant to be like him actively going to harm people. And I think that was really something interesting to hear about because, you know, when you hear about his description, you immediately think like this is a malevolent demon, demon of some sort. And, uh, it's crazy is that um, I was looking it up and apparently he comes on the 5th. The 5th, yeah. Yeah, which yeah he is, comes earlier. See, now that's weird too because I remember it being the 12th. Yeah. But, I don't, I've never, I didn't even know that there was a difference in time. I didn't even know that he was supposed yeah. to have like, I thought it was like a whole month thing. And that, that goes back to the Mandela effect for me because a lot of things are different than I remember them. I, but whatever, you know. Th- th- you know, some of these stories we're going to get into tonight will – will make you question and you can you at home the listeners and Tony you and and Nelly and Anthony y'all can all come up with your own conclusions I've I've told you Nelly most of the stories at least the overviews of them and and Anthony we've looked at them and that we had a couple that we kind of left out because they were a little more like of just the paranormal rather than you can't really say it's Krampus whatever and then one I don't know what it is but uh I'm gonna get into them and we're gonna talk about them but uh yeah, it's interesting what you say about um, him being a son of hell. Yeah, because that's basically what he is. Yeah, and and he basically performs a duty, a job, and that's to to beat the the out okay. of the bad children. <laughs> he beats the heck out of the bad children. 
And so, uh, but yeah, I, I, I can tell you right now, a couple of my little nephews, Anthony's little brothers, we could have used Krampus on them a few times Christmas. I'm not kidding. Was, Leah could have used Krampus. <laughs> <on my laughs> Your little, little sister, sister could have used Krampus. And anyways, what we got here is uh, Krampus probably should have visited my brother, but you know, never did. Uh, and my sisters too, Anthony, your mom. Uh, but what we're going to talk about, and if you're if you're done with yeah, the I'm description, I mean that that was pretty much that's pretty much it. We're going to get into overview. Yep, quick overview is but as quick as we could get it with our silly selves. This story here, I got. They were this was in Massachusetts, and uh, everyone knows Massachusetts is the home of the witch uh, Salem witch trials, but this wasn't in Salem. Um, but anyway, two little girls, and it, it's it's not a real long story, but it is a, a pretty chilling one. And when the the woman that gave me this story is now about my age, and uh, this happened back in the eighties when she was a kid, and Cabbage Patch dolls were all the rage. What happened was they got a Cabbage Patch doll for Christmas from an aunt because the stores did not have them. So these little girls, these two girls, like I said, they're now my age, and they're they were like Irish twins, or about a year apart, and they got one doll. Okay, which you you have two kids, one doll. The parents couldn't find the doll, but the the aunt, the great aunt managed to find one. And so she bought it. Now, you know, the mom's probably going like, it'd be better if you just didn't buy it at all, because it lasted exactly one night. And then the arm was ripped off of it in a tug of war between, you know, the two girls. Typical kid stuff. Yeah, typical kid stuff. So they got into a fight and they ripped the arm off of the Cabbage Patch doll. And then the one little girl, the one that told me the story. Uh, she took the 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 doll, picked it up, and slung it into the, her sister's face, smacking her across the face and giving her a big whelp. And <laughs> Nellie's over here laughing because she knows the story. But anyways, she smacked her, right? And then she was like, that's what you get. And she said, I had no remorse in my heart. She's like, I was so angry at what that my sister had done. Uh, her sister, we'll call her Lucy. It's close to her name. But she said, Lucy had made me so mad that I picked up the doll and I smacked her across the face with it. And she said that I had no feeling in my heart about it at all. I did not care that she was laying there crying. And she's like, and in fact, I kicked her. I wanted her to cry. And then when the the dad came in the room, uh, she got a spanking because that's what happened back in the eighties. When you did something bad, you got spanked. Okay. You didn't get grounded from your PS 12 or whatever it is, whatever number they're up to now. No, you, got spanked. And so she got spanked and she said that she just glared at her sister wishing bad on her while she was getting spanked. So that was how bad it was. So they had a rocking chair in the corner of the room. That's another little weird tidbit there. So in in the corner of the room, in the middle of the night, uh, when they went to bed, she said she was just thinking horrible thoughts about her sister, like wanting to do something really bad to her. She began to hear to hear the rocking chair going back and forth. She said it was really creepy and she didn't like it. And they had a Raggedy Andy doll. Okay. Now I know you guys know the Raggedy Ann, Raggedy Andy. Uh, one of them had a Raggedy Ann. One of them had a Raggedy Andy. Her Raggedy Ann doll, which was actually Annabelle. the Annabelle doll. Yeah, it was actually, she let, she would sleep with it. It was right there next to her or whatever. But the Raggedy Andy doll sat on a, on a quilt on the rocking chair. The the Raggedy Andy doll flew forward, okay, just just flew forward off the ground, and she was she sat up in the bed, bolt upright, and was like, "What the heck, you know, what's going on?" And and the rocking chair began to move back and forth really fast, but it sounded like chains, like, and she could hear this, 
And then it got faster. And then she she just looks over into the closet because she keeps hearing something shuffling. And she said that for a minute there was a light, almost like a almost like a light that was like from the back of the closet that started off almost like a pin, like a pin like pin prick or a hole. And then it just got big real quick. And then it was like gray. And then then it was just dark again. Then she could see something moving in, in the darkness. And then, okay, this thing just comes running towards her really quickly, like boom, 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 boom. And she said it was just like that. And she just heard like thuds, you know, like, and, and she saw this black creature with, 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 it had rounded horns, curved horns that went off the top of its head and curved down that almost went into its neck. And she said that it had a long tongue a triangular tongue that was flapping up and down, back and forth. It had yellow eyes and it went over to her bed. And at first it like went to her bed, kind of looked at her, then went over to the, to the sister's bed and it put its hand over the, the, the sister. Okay. And at that point she was like, no, please don't hurt my sister. She began to think, you know, don't do this. And then it turned and it kind of grinned at her and it ran over to her bed, like boom, boom, boom. And it was over the top of her. And then it reached down and to grab her. And she said that she felt like at that point in time that this thing had every intention of taking her out of the bed, physically taking her and taking her into whatever that, that, that hole was in the closet. And so she began to pray and she did, she was, she went to church. Her parents were very God fearing. She began to say the, the shepherd Psalm. And I believe you, you, uh, 23. Yeah. And, and, and the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, so then, and then she began to say the Lord's prayer and then she began to call out in the name of Jesus, but she couldn't speak when she tried to speak. It was like this thing had stifled her speech and it moved its hand over her mouth and she couldn't talk or make any noise. And she said that this thing had horrible breath and she said it smelled like livestock. You know how if you go to where there's cattle or there's sheep, it smells like, uh, like rancid, you know, and, and she said it, it was breathing on her and its tongue was just kind of moving up and down. And she said that the eyes began to turn orange and, and, and her bed and began to vibrate and she began to vibrate and this thing became more and more angry and it put its hands over her arms, but it didn't touch her arms. Like she did not feel the touch of its hands. It was like, the, it, was like it couldn't touch her. And so it just began to shake the bed back and forth. And she's thinking all this ruckus it's making, there's got to be enough noise here for people. Somebody's going to hear this, right? Well, nobody did. And it, so it was very supernatural, obviously. And this thing just stood over her, staring at her, and it became more and more angry. And it became more and more angry. And then the eyes turned red. She said it was almost like fire glowing in its eyes. And she said that she stared up at it. And then she, she's like, I rebuke you. I denounce you. She began to like feel like, like literally, uh, in her words, like she felt it, like, like the power of God, you know, like be gone, you know. And this thing just was be so angry. Uh, and was just, was on her, you know, just, it was set on taking her and it began to talk to her, but not through its mouth because the tongue was just moving up and down. And she said that it, it told her, it was like, you're mine, I'm taking you. And then she's like, and she says, you, you chose, you know, and she's like, like thinking, you know, like not, not responding. Like she felt like she did not, uh, she shouldn't respond to it. Don't even give it any power. And so when she said you it chose you chose okay, she thinks that that was basically it going over there and and checking to, for, to, for her sister, because you know she blamed her sister 
for the doll. And so at that point, you know, that she just closed her eyes and she began to pray. She kept, she just kept praying. She's like, Jesus help me, you know, just the whole, you know, whatever. And, and it eventually she looked, opened her eyes, she looked up and it was gone. And then she saw it, she looked up and saw it to the right of the bed. It was gone. And it was standing at the foot of the bed. Like it just kind of came like popping up, like, like, like lifting up from, from, you know, at the foot of the bed. And then she said it just began to like run backwards and go into the closet. It was just like, you know, back into the closet. And she said that it was so loud and it sounded like hoof, you know, like a hoof, you know, and she could hear chains, you know. And she said that when it ran back into the closet, the way that it ran, she's like, if you took a videotape, like from a VHS, you know, how video VCRs used to work, Nelly, and you would just rewind it. It was like it went in reverse, boom, 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 and it went backwards into the closet. And then it began to fade into like this gray mist, and then it kind of wrinkled up and it was gone. Almost like if you took like a piece of foil and squeezed it and it just kind of wrinkled and then there was no shape and then it just, it was gone. And she she believes that that her anger and her hatred for her sister that day gave life to this thing or summoned it in some form or another and brought it to her. And when I first talked to her about it, uh, I got in touch with her through a friend of a friend. And she's now a listener of the show. And so I appreciate you giving me your story. But the thing is, she doesn't know, like, she didn't really know, like, if that was Krampus or what that was. She didn't tell me, hey, I got a Krampus story, you know. Um, that's not how it went. It was just like she told me this story that happened to her around Christmas. And I got this, that story actually from uh, from uh, doing research into paranormal Christmas stories because I do, do a lot of Dogman research. And one of the things that you guys know is that Dogman is, has a lot of high activity in December. And that there is a lot of weird paranormal activity that happens in December. I was talking to a friend of mine. She's from Germany. And Nellie, you know, she owns a, a vitamin store. And she was talking about a lot of weird things that happen around Christmas time. And we, we were discussing how the children, you know, the heightened emotion of getting presents or not getting presents or being good or being bad. Because when you're little, it means a lot. You know, you're, you got to behave. So Santa Claus will come and bring you something. And if not, then, you know, you're a bad kid. And you don't get anything. You know, well, back in the old days, you got beat <laughs> by this evil demon. And if you're really bad, well, he took you uh, and he drowned you. Like he would take kids and he would put them in a, in a, in a, in a gunny sack and, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then he would drown them. Right, Tony? Yeah. That I was mean, one of the punishments. Were, uh, I saw where he would just straight up, I think they said like he could just eat you. Eat you. Yeah, he would eat you. And so, anyways, I don't know that that's Krampus, but that's the story of the two girls fighting over the Cabbage Patch doll. And so, I wanted to uh, to uh, tell that story because we couldn't decide on which ones we were going to get into. Now, that could tell you a little bit about what we're talking about tonight because we got a few others that are pretty weird. All right. Now that we've done that one, Nelly, I'll let you pick. Which ones do we have? Well, we got the the. Do you want to talk about the the one with the foster children or? Yeah, thanks. So. Yeah. You want to do that one? Okay. Um, this one, Tony, you don't know this one. I I don't know any of them. Oh, you, yeah, you don't know this I one. I specifically choose not to. I mean, yeah, sure yeah not to you do you it. like to come in cold, but these two they were they've already gone over the story. I I told them about this one, and we, this one I got I got toward the end of, like December last. I've been holding on to it for a while because I was determined to do an episode about Krampus, and so this one is, is weird. These kids they lived they were foster children, and their lives were not 
joyous and happy. And at Christmas time, they lived with a couple, which oftentimes happens, as Nellie, you pointed out, that they're not nice. They were not nice to the children. They didn't really do much. They just used them to get, you know, money. And uh, so this one little girl um, was kind of sad. She, she, they all, they slept three to a room and there were three kids in one room and three kids in another room. And she's now an adult and this happened in, in, a, in a foster home. And there was physical abuse going on. Uh, and there was abuse from the older kids. There were one in particular, we'll call him Eddie. He was very mean, a very mean spirited kid. And he was always doing vile, mean things. Literally like one of the things she told me about, he found, he caught a scorpion and he put it in the bed and it stung one of the foster sisters or whatever. And then he would pull on their hair and pinch them and slap them and, and, threaten them. And then if you tell on me, I'm going to do this or that, you know? So he was a little older than the other girls. There was another boy though, that was a little bit older than him that could kind of handle him, but he was always involved in things at school and stuff. So he couldn't really, he wasn't always there to protect them. Um, so the three, three girls and three boys, the three girls slept in one room, three boys slept in, in another room uh, across the hall, whatever. But there was uh, some weird things that kind of led up to this. There was a little bit of weird paranormal activity that began to happen. And so two of the girls, uh, they requested that one of the boys sleep in the room because they were afraid. And so they kind of made a switch. So the, the night, the, the, the first night that this went on, um, there were actually two girls and a boy in, in the one room. And uh, so she said I, th that they had gone and told the mom and dad, hey, the foster parents, hey, you know, can we have so-and-so sleep? In? And his, actually, this kid's name was Dedrick, and can he sleep in the room with us because something's going on. They kept hearing, like, moving movement and shuffling of feet, whatever. This was during Christmas vacation, okay, which is how it connects to, you know, what could possibly be. So here, here's what ended up happening. This kid, Eddie, he – would go would go into their room at night and and like harass them and like put gum in their hair you know and stuff like that like he the one girl told me the story she had to have her hair cut you know and because he took a big wad of bubble gum and like stuck it in your hair you know you can't get it out so she had to cut her hair she had to go to school looking all jacked up and so you know it was it was it was it was sad it was it was this, this uh, bullying that kept going on and she said that the, the three kids that, that night before they went to bed, they were like saying that they wish something would happen to this kid, that he needed to be punished. And for whatever reason, the foster parents seemed to like favor that kid, the bully kid, which was weird. She was like, it was like he was just given free reign to do whatever he wanted by these foster parents. And the only one that could stop him was this other kid. And he was always being checked and punished by the, the, the foster parents. So it was a sad situation. So anyways, they, they were like sitting there talking about they wish something would happen to this kid, that something could be done about him. And that night, something did happen. Um, and so that kid, Eddie, comes running into their room and he's like, hey, there's something going on. And they're like, oh, great, more of his antics, you know, his ridiculousness. And they were just like, you know, well, so what? You deal with it, you know. And he's like, there's something in my room. And he goes, and I can't wake up. That The other kid, I, I, don't, I don't remember his name. but How many kids were there? There were six. Okay. And he goes, the other kid that was asleep in there, he couldn't wake them up. And he's, and so he got Dedrick, the kid that went to sleep in the room with, with these three girl, with the two girls, whatever, they, to go back in the room with him because he was the other boy. Because the two girls were like, we're not going with you anywhere. You'll probably hit us or do something to us, you know. So when he went into the other room, 
the two girls went up to the to the bedroom door of of the room that that Eddie slept in, and they looked in, and they could see the other girl and the other boy in their sleep. And Eddie had swore that he tried to wake them up, but he couldn't. They heard something grunting and growling and like moving around under the bed. And so Eddie being a bully, he grabbed Dedrick and he took him over there and he kind of shoved him down and told him, look under the bed. The kid didn't want to do it. And so uh, the two girls at this point had gone up and they were looking into the room or whatever. And they just saw, saw him go flying under the bed. Didn't at that point see what grabbed him, but they just saw his legs like kicking and, and the bed bouncing up and down and whatever was under the bed was, was, you know, holding this kid. Grabbed too. Yeah. And so he began to scream and eventually there was enough ruckus. The lights came on, the, the, the foster parents came up, all the kids had woke up and Dedrick came out from under the bed screaming and crying and was just completely hysterical once they calmed him down, uh, the, he didn't talk about it that night. He went and he slept, I guess, in the parents' room or something. I don't know. The next day after he had talked to the parents or whatever, he was told not to say anything. He did go to school and talk about the incident to some guidance counselor or whatever. I don't know the whole the whole story or whatever. Not, not, not right then, but like later on. Like he had problems from this incident. And it followed him supposedly for a long time. Um, she kept in touch with this kid, and I guess it it really traumatized him because what he saw and what ended up putting him in therapy would put any kid in therapy. This kid was only like eight years old, and something that grabbed it grabbed him under the bed, pulled it pulled it pulled him right under the bed up to its mouth, which he said was like almost like a wolf's snout. But it had these really big, like what he what he described as like alligator teeth, like it was just these big conical, like just rows of like like alligator like an alligator or a crocodile's teeth. But it had like a wolf's mouth, and there was like this this tongue that was wag waggling out of it, you know. And he said that the tongue almost looked like a like a snake's tongue, but it wasn't forked; it was just moving like like a snake's would in and out. And he said that. Um, this thing had really like completely white eyes. He didn't see anything but white on the eyes. And it had these like shaggy, hairy arms that were kind of skinny with these bony fingers. And it grabbed onto him and it leaned in and it told him, Eddie. So in his mind, it wanted Eddie. And he was like scared to death. And then he said, I'm not Eddie. I'm not Eddie. And it let him go. And then he said it just kind of went woof back into the darkness under the bed. And that's when he was able to actually get out from under the bed. Now, this is the part where she told me, um, I'll call her Ka Kathleen. I'll just, uh, Kathleen, whatever. Um, so she, Kathleen told me that, that she saw him kind of go flying out from under the bed, like almost like he was spit out. And they saw like what looked like an arm, which was, she said, kind of grayish brown. That's the way she described it. A hairy, right now, hairy arm. And, and it had like, you could clearly see like a human-like hand. And she said that it, it darted back under the bed. And it was like, pew, he was shot out from under the bed. Now, here's the weird thing about that. She said that she immediately felt in her heart that whatever that was, it was there under that bed because it was after Eddie, not this kid. And so that's why it let him go. So the next night, they wake up to wailing and screaming and crying again. And everyone goes and runs into that room, except for Dedrick, because he's terrified at this point, you know. And they all they all went to that room, and they they see 
this the kid Eddie kind of bouncing up and down on the bed from his stomach, like almost like he's levitating, but he's bouncing up and down. And he it, it was like he was being tossed around all over the bed, like being you know. And what Eddie told them, and and it took him a while. It's not like something that he just said it the next day or whatever. But over the course of the next coming weeks, he told them that this thing. This is what the story that he told Kathleen and the other kids. This thing crawled out from underneath the bed, became like almost like a mist, and then was twisted into what looked like a spiral. And then it unfurled itself like a snake, but it was hairy. And then it was legs and its body were bent backwards. And then the body twisted and then the legs twisted. And it had the lower legs, almost like a wolf or a dog, had a almost like a wolf's like head, but it had scales on its body, on its chest. And then its arms, and then it kind of went down into like hair, like coarse hair on its arms, that then came down into these like what looked like talons, and it had this weird tongue that was kind of flicking out of itself, and it had these really big conical teeth, and it and it and it just jumped on him, and it began to literally just assault him, choke him, and then it bat- slammed him into the wall, which apparently woke everybody up, and then it turned him over and began literally to spank him. Like, and not, not like I'm going to give you a spanking on your behind, but like just beating him, whipped him, whipped him, you know? Yeah. With like this strap, it had like this, this weird looking strap that came out of its hand and just like out of its hand. Okay. And it began to just assault him and, and it whipped him all over his back and his legs and his buttocks. And it was so bad that when he went to school, uh, it, he still had the marks and one of the, the teachers saw it, like, I guess, gym teachers or whatever. And they blamed the parents, the foster parents. So what ended up happening, there was this investigation and they asked all the kids and the kids told them the story of this supernatural event that nobody believed. And they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they took the kids away and they all got separated. But the good thing was that, um, they all kind of ended up in a better place and they ended up happy now, she did see Eddie again. They ended up together again in another foster uh, situation. And according to her, the, in another school, I'm sorry, they, he was different. He changed. Like, he was a nice kid. He didn't mess pick on kids anymore. He didn't act a fool. He wasn't pulling the shenanigans he was pulling. He was very nice. And then he actually defended her you know, get some of the older kids when they were going to middle school or whatever, that they were actually friends and that he was nice to her. Uh, they attribute it to him being assaulted by this, uh, whatever the heck that was, you know, demon or I, I got, I don't know what it was. Some weird, you know, Krampus. I, mean, I wouldn't what, think that a demon would do that. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, but it does kind of fit the description of Krampus. I mean, Krampus can be good or bad depending upon what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, just... Maybe he forgets like to, to stop of off is, for food, and that's why he eats some of them. No, I, I think it's just <laughs> can't hit a drive-through. He just—it's kind of like he sees your true self. So if like I, I think from basically the only similarities I've really seen real quick between the two stories is that like there's a certain feeling that the person has to have that that wants to summon him to, to whoever. The, the in the first story she had that anger towards her sister and that that despair and that just that pit of of just something and that summoned him and in this one these three did it too uh did, did the same thing to eddie i think the difference in the two stories is that she really didn't want to hurt her sister whereas these three didn't really care about what happened to eddie so 
I think that's why, like in the first story, as soon as she started going, for, he started going for her sister, and she was like, "No, no, no, no don't do that!" Like in her heart, because she really didn't want her sister, sister to get hurt. Yeah, that Krampus started going and turning on her and be mm. like, "I see what you're saying." Yeah, like um, he eats the ones that are never going to be um sorry. Yeah, maybe the ones he eats are just destined to be like serial killers. Like, yeah, you know, I, mean, I think like he is. looks and sees like, "Hey, like this one is not." I'm Team Krampus over here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it also could just be like, hey, like, you know, today's a Tuesday, so let's go kill this kid, I guess. No, I have no idea. I just, you know, I'm just telling the stories, guys. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really know. I haven't really but thought about it's it. It's really much. interesting that they both have uh, interesting. mentioned that, you know, that feeling that they really, like, want this person punished or they want something you know that that evilness that they, they and it's in, it's in both stories so far that they want it to happen. The malicious ones, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, well, it's like um, I don't think even it's malicious. It's not like an evil thing. Like they're, they're, them being abused by Eddie doesn't mean them make them bad for wanting Eddie to get hurt. No, and especially that, in that hopeless situation, mm-hmm. it's not you know, malicious. Well, and, and in the end, no, I'm though, saying Eddie's malicious. In the end, though, something good did come of that. Though. That could not be true either. Eddie's a foster kid. He'd be go- going through a lot. That might be that might be why Krampus decided not to kill him, and instead, well, Krampus didn't kill him because he obviously knew that he would feel remorse. If that's even Krampus, we're getting ahead exactly, of ourselves. But right? that, I mean, we that, don't know what that this is. This is just like some speculation. Yeah, speculation. I'm saying if it, like I'm trying to figure I out object. like how Krampus would work, <laughs> and if it was Krampus, why he would let that kid go, and maybe it's because but it did change him. Yeah, he saw good in him, mm-hmm. and he saw that like this kid isn't as bad as it. You and know? then they all ended up in better situations too, mm-hmm. and See? away from those bad people. I mean, there you, you know. Go. And and so, like she said, there was some physical abuse that took place there too. But uh, so we're gonna we're gonna move on now. Um, this this story here happened to two brothers. Like I said, I could like there, there's several of these stories, but some of them are just like I don't know if it's Krampus. You can't really it's, you'd be kind of making a loose connection. But uh, so, anyways, there, this one happened to two brothers out down in Florida. Now everybody knows that Florida doesn't really snow. <laughs> and doesn't really snow in Florida. Uh, and the area where they lived in particular, they lived down in southern Florida. And so there was not, um, there wasn't a lot of snow going on. And uh, so these two brothers, they had um, a very bad relationship. Let's put it that way. The younger brother was very spoiled, very doted on. He was a brat. And I did not actually talk to the younger brother but I did correspond with their older sister. So she kind of confirmed that, yeah, when they were growing up, he was the baby and he was a menace. He was a brat. Now, the boys were only like two years apart, but the, the older sister was five years older than the second uh, child. So there's a seven-year difference between yeah, the oldest Yeah, seven-year difference. And, and she, she kind of had to babysit and, and, and take care of them. And she said the younger one was a complete brat. And so um, th- these two kids, you know, th- the problem was that the older brother, the middle brother, was resentful and very angry toward his younger brother because he always got the most of everything. He got the best of everything. He would go into his room and take things that weren't his. He would break things. He would just very destructive. Talk just, about my childhood here, I guess. Like, <laughs> I know we well, you, you know, you went that went through that with with yeah, Leah, and then of course Anthony, you went through that with Palito and Gordo. They mm-hmm. were always going in your room and breaking your stuff. It's the middle with child it. curse. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. the middle child, I, and you know, and that's crazy. I mean, like it, it, th- this happened a lot. See, that that's me and Nelly were talking about this the other day. I was the youngest. It's but crazy. I did not get the privilege of being the, the youngest. Yeah, the the oldest is the most the messed up. The, the the middle child is the most ignored, and the youngest is the most spoiled. Yeah, and I I didn't get that privilege. I mean, and Nelly's you even, were cheated. Yeah, 
Nellie's talked to my siblings too about that because my parents didn't really like me. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be real honest. They, they, I was not wanted as a child. Let's put it this way. They did not, I wasn't planned. I wasn't supposed to happen. And it, it, I think it caused them to kind of stay together and it was because of me. So they resented it. Um, and they just did it because, well, we have this kid together, so we should stay together. And they, they didn't really want, they didn't, they didn't really want me. And my sister told Nellie that last, last Christmas, actually, she opened up to, to Nellie and was like, he was kind of, uh, they didn't really want him. It was like, they used him as a pawn, you know, when it came to the divorce and all that, but it wasn't something. And I'm not over here crying about my childhood. I'm just telling you, you know, folks that I love Christmas because I, I was dealt some really cruddy ones when I was young, but people always say, I had bad Christmases and I, that's why I hate Christmas. Well, you can make the most of it. You can make them good now. I mean, yeah, I mean you know? it's, it's it's a very selfish way of thinking of it. It's like, um, just because I was hurt that I'm going to go ahead and make everyone else suffer Miserable. the same way instead mm-hmm. of thinking of it like I don't want people to feel that pain that I felt mm-hmm. when I didn't have anything growing up, you know. Well, these two brothers, what, what we were talking about, um, the younger one had done it again. He had, uh, you know, the, the, he looked under the tree. This was about, here again, it's the same thing. It was Christmas vacation, and it was a couple weeks before Christmas. The older kid, okay, and his name was Keith, and and his younger brother was, you know, uh, I don't know, we'd call him Jacob. I don't want to say his name because I don't have permission to say his name. So Keith said that you know, he looks under the tree, and there's like 16 presents for his younger brother and there's like four for him and like maybe three or four for the, for the sister. And they're like, what is this? You know, why is it this kid always getting everything? And he didn't appreciate anything and he broke things and he would break his stuff and break their stuff. He was very spoiled. Now he attributes not only to him being younger, but that when he was first born, he almost died when he was real little. And so the mom was always like, Oh, oh like, super protective. Yes. Okay. So like in Spanish, she's like, Oh, I'm mijito, you know? And, but but it, that you know they weren't Hispanic. But that I that's I that's how it you know that's the my little feeling. baby same, you know same, yeah understanding you know I porecito mejito you know whatever. Well, this kid was always uh, causing problems, and so the, he was mad you know, and he was really mad. And there again, you know, he had really dark thoughts about this kid and wanting something to be done about him, you know. And so they were allowed to, I can't remember what, how exactly, he said they were allowed to open a gift early or something like that because- Yeah, uh, we have the same rule in my household. Yeah. You open one gift on Christmas Eve. Well, this or, wasn't Christmas Eve. This was like a, a relative or something had come. Oh. And they had, because that relative was there, they were like, oh, okay, you can open a present or whatever. And so he opted out of opening a gift because he only had four or five. So he said, you know what? I'm just going to wait till Christmas. I can open them all at once. So what- his brother did really was just beyond the pale. Like he took one of his gifts, didn't open his own, grabbed one with his, obviously his brother's name on it. And he wasn't a little kid either. He was like seven years old. Like he knew what he was doing, you know, and he opened it. And then it was like, oh, cool. You know, it's mine. And they're like, no, that's uh, Keith's gift. And then the mom's like, oh, that's okay. It's okay. You know, you know, I'll make it up to you. And then Keith knew right then. He goes, I'm not going to, that's going to be his now. And I'm not going to get it. And it's going to be his, you know. And so it, it became a, a problem. And uh, so he, uh, and, and the funny thing is, he told me, he's like, he doesn't even remember what the gift was. He thinks it was like a video game for a Game Boy or something like that. And uh, so it was like a small thing, though, that was in a big box. And he said he thought that that's what it was, but he wasn't for sure. It doesn't even matter, though, really. 
I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's just like, it it could have been anything. It's just like the fact that it happened over and over again. I I understand. Like, this story, I feel it definitely. Yeah, I I know. I I believe I know exactly what you're I spent lots of Christmases with your family. It doesn't even matter what that present was. And so he ended up, you know, oh, well, I'll make it up to you. And then, of course, and then I asked him and he goes, you know, and it never, it it didn't, you know, like whenever (laughs) they, it never happened. He didn't get it. He just lost a gift basically to this greedy kid. And uh, he said that, you know, it took him a long time to really get to where, he, like, even through high school, him and his brother didn't talk much. They didn't, they weren't close. And even to this day, they're not real close. But, uh, yeah, pa- the parents ruined those relationships by allowing this kid to be that way. And the kid's been nothing, but um, he's been in lots of trouble, you know, over the years and had problems. And he's been enabled, let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, and I didn't talk to this kid, so I'm just going by what the two siblings said, you know, and, and from, and from another friend of, of this guy's who kind of mentioned it. Cause I made a joke, I was joking and I said, well, I don't have any proof that your brother was really that bad. So he actually recruited a friend to get on there and tell me, yeah, he was terrible. And I'm like, okay, I don't really know you, but if you say so, then I talked to the sister, which actually she did tell me, yes, he was a turd. So, okay. And that was pretty much, he was like, do you believe me now? I'm like, okay, this guy's dedicated. Yes, I do. And I do appreciate you caring about my opinion enough to convince me. I think me. it was more like he was trying to prove to you, like, if I did something Krampus, I had a reason. Right? I was like, you need to send me criminal records, sir. I need <sighs> to see these, what, you know. I need he, fingerprints. Finger, and, yeah. Let me see the proof. Let's go back four generations. All right. Let's see what his ancestors did. Exactly. Let, let, let's see the pictures of him robbing and stealing. I don't want But anyway, no, that, that's, that's. I think that's, Keith's been through enough yeah. So, so what ended up happening was he, so, so they went, he went to sleep. Uh, he said that he was so mad. Like he, he, before he went to sleep, actually back up, he was walking toward his brother's bed. They, they, they shared a room and his brother slept on one side and he slept on the other. And he was walking toward his brother's bed and he said, he was going to start just punching his brother in the head. Nellie laughs because you've heard the story. And he was just going to punch his brother until he just died. He was so mad. He goes, I'm going to kill this kid. I'm just so tired of his crap. I'm going to kill him. And so he goes toward his brother and then he gets halfway in between the beds and he goes, you know what? I'm just really sleepy. So he just goes, it's the weirdest thing. I just decided to lay down and go to sleep. And he drifts off to sleep. On the floor. On the floor. Yeah. And he said he laid down on a rug on the floor in between the two beds. So what ended up happening was he wakes up the next day and for some reason he was like, he thought it was Christmas morning, which it wasn't. It was still another week or two, whatever. And he wakes up and he's like, whoa, it's Christmas. And he looks outside and there's snow everywhere. And he's like, oh my gosh. So he goes and he's like all happy and he feels good and he's in a good mood. And he's like, forgive. he has like this forgiveness in his heart for his brother. He's like, you know what? My brother's laying there sleeping. I'm going to wake him up. So he goes to, to, to move and he realizes it's just like a clump of blankets. It's not even his brother's not even in the bed. And uh, so he starts to, to, to try to get his brother's attention or, or wake him up or whatever. And he, he hears like some like, like faint noise, you know, coming out of the wind from the window. And he goes to the window and he looks and he's like, you know what? I'm going to climb out the window to see what it is. So he opens the window and he says, you know, instead of going to the door, it was like very weird. Like it was like he was being drawn to do these things that he normally would not do. So he got out and then he jumps down onto the snow and he's like, it was snow, man. I mean, it was cold and everything. And he, he sees these weird like footprints. And he said that he didn't know how to describe them. He said they didn't look like hoof prints, right? He, they looked almost like uh, elongated feet, like somebody walk on the balls of their feet with claws. 
That's the way he described it. And then he said that he heard screaming and he sees his little brother and he's being drugged and he sees this dark figure dragging him through the snow. Now, the way he described this figure was it had small little little spiral horns coming off of its head. And when it, he said it turned its head completely around like in 180 degrees and did not move its back. And he said that this tongue, like there it is again, the tongue, flew out of its mouth and kind of went like like three times. And he said that that like when he did, like snow or whatever, like whipped into his eyes and he kind of was temporarily blinded. And he was like, oh my gosh. But he began to run toward this thing because it was carrying his brother and there was a tree line there and it was heading toward the woods. And so he's like, I got, I got to get, I got to catch it. I got to stop it. I can't let this thing take my brother. And at that moment, he, his brother was screaming, help, help me, help, you know? And so he just starts running and he's like, I, you know, I'm coming, I'm going to save you, you know, whatever. He does, he didn't want anything bad to happen to him in that moment, you know, even though he was wanting, he went to bed wanting to kill him. And, and he was running through the snow and he said, he remembers looking down and seeing how his feet were turning red from the cold. And he was like, it was weird. It was like, you know, he goes, my first time ever touching snow, you know, and he said then years later he, he, he was in the military and he ended up like being in snow a lot, you know, and he was like, it, he goes, it was definitely snow. So he was running through the snow and he got, you know, this thing got right up to the edge of the tree line and it slowed down and it was like, it was moving slower and slower but he said the thing turned around and began to like like make weird noises at him, which he took as being like curses trying to stop him. And it was trying to slow him down. But he said that he was catching up to it. Like this thing could not move fast enough to get away from him. He gets up to his brother and he goes to grab his brother. And this thing turns around and he just sticks its arm out and he puts it on his chest. And he said that he felt like this ice hit his heart. And he was just like stopped like in his tracks. And then it was basically telling him no. You know, and, and then he said that he just kept pushing against it. He was like, I'm not going to let you take my brother. And then finally, he basically offered himself to this thing and said, take me. And he dropped the little boy and the thing just like turned, spun its body around and then went into the woods. And, and then he laid down with his brother and was clutching him and holding him. And then they both just like drifted off to sleep. And he said that they, they looked and it was like they were in the middle of a blizzard. He couldn't turn around and get back to the house. So they fell asleep. And then when, and then he woke up and he was actually in his bed when he specifically remembers laying down asleep on the rug in between the two beds, he wakes up and he's in his bed and his little brother's laying there sleeping and he walks over and he checks on him to see if he's okay and realizes that he's still there and he's alive, whatever. Now here's what's weird. They never, he never talked about this to anybody. Um, for a long, long time. And then one day they got together at Christmas and he was telling the story to his older sister and to her son, one of her sons, one of his nephews. And the, the brother comes in from the garage and he's like, Oh, you're talking about that, that weird creature that tried to drag me out, <laughs> you know? And he was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And he was like, he goes, no, I remember it. No, I, I, I remember that happened. And he was like, so that really happened? Because he always thought it was like a dream. Yeah. Like it was a nightmare or a dream, whatever. And he was like, no, that really happened. And he's like, so we either had the same dream or this really happened. Or it was a dream that we both, you know, that, and, and it was in a dreamlike state where this took place. Well, that's the crap story right there. Mm -hmm. if, there's, if there is one. If the other two were kind of like maybe 
It could be a demon, could be Krampus. That one is definitely, there's no way, there's no demon doing that. Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, it was, it was definitely, um, now here's the last story I got and, and the, this one, I'll save the best for last. I think it's one of the better ones. Nellie really was touched by this story we got. This happened to two cousins and, you know, I'll call them Joey and Glenn. I don't, I didn't want to give uh, Joey's first name out. And then, so now, so Joey and Glenn, what happened was there was basically, uh, there was a situation where there was an older cousin who was kind of looked up to and idolized and uh, by the younger cousin. And he actually, the younger cousin had a really, really bad life. He didn't, he was, his, his mother was in and out of jail and the dad was not in the picture. So one Christmas, uh, the, the mother was in jail because of dr- drug problems and the, he was staying with Joey's family. Now Glenn was a younger cousin and he was two years younger or two or three years younger. And so they were did the same thing with the other kids where they were allowed to open gifts or whatever. They had a great aunt that, or a great, uh, aunt and uncle that had come to visit and they brought them gifts. And now they they were only going to be in town. It was about a week before Christmas. They were only going to be in town for a couple of days. So they kind of had to have their Christmas with them. You know how that goes. So they gave them each a gift and they opened the gift up and they were BB guns. <laughs> and according to Joe, he had never had a BB gun before. So he was super excited. And his dad was one of those dads that was like, yeah, go ahead, whatever. You know, it's all good. And was going to let them, you know run around the neighborhood playing with them, you know, because, you know, this was back in the eighties and so what, you know, and, and this reminds me of something that I kind of left out in the last story. Uh, you remember how the, the, the creature took the kid into the woods, mm-hmm. taking him to the woods. They lived in a, in a, in a subdivision in the middle of a subdivision. Yeah. So no, woods. there were no woods anywhere around. Uh, so, it was pretty obvious. I think that it took it to its own little. Yeah. Home. It was taken. So, so I think it was a test. I, I needed to make sure I, I threw that part in mm-hmm. there because I forgot to say that about the last story. Um, but anyways, the, the, so the, these two kids though, they did live in the city and they went running around. They lived in Ohio and they, they went and started uh, shooting stuff up. They went out in the evening and they shot a, a street light out. It was one of those with the lamp post, you know, one of the smaller ones that kind of has the 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 light and, and, and has the four little pa- panes or whatever. Mm-hmm. The and, glass, around, yeah, the yeah. glass. And so they were able to shoot it out. And then they were they were shooting and 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 doing all kinds of stuff, whatever. And they the the older cousin Joey he figured out he shot a windshield of a car with a BB gun. He had never had. Um, a BB gun before and didn't really know how it worked. He'd only shot, you know, shot once or twice. I think he said when he was young with his friend or something that had one. So he didn't really hadn't, hadn't used it a whole lot. But so he was he, bad at aiming basically. Yeah. Well, he didn't really know what it did. So he oh, shot, okay. he thought maybe if I shoot this windshield, it'll break. Well, no, because it's a BB. It might mm-hmm. crack it at best. I mean, it wasn't one of these high powered, you know, whatever, but it, it shot a windshield and it, he saw it ricochet off. So, he was always kind of mean to his younger cousin and <clears throat> was always doing kind of mean things to him. And he said that this was definitely malicious intent on his part. And he was very honest about this and he f- felt terrible, but he was like, you know, it is what it is. So he goes, I got my younger cousin, Glenn. I said, Hey, uh, I can't break that windshield. He goes, can you go up to it and just shoot at it point blank? Because he knew the BB was going to ricochet and he was actually hoping that it would ricochet back and hit Glenn. 
which is a horrible thing to do. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't mean like he was just trying to be funny or something or just to see what would happen, right? Mm, well, he told me, and like I told Nelly, I mean, like he said that he did it with the intent of the, the BB actually hitting him and hurting him. So what's <laughs> not good intention? It was bad. So what he did was he went and he told him, hey, go stand. And so the first time he said that he shot and it just went right past, it just bounced off the windshield and, it, and he didn't, Glenn didn't even really notice it. He's like, so I told him, I said, go stand closer, get closer up and, and do it almost point blank, you know, stand it right there. So he did. And at that point it bounced back on the second shot and embedded itself right underneath his eye, right next to his nose underneath his left eye. And he said that his cousin just like doubled over and was screaming and crying and freaking out. And he said he was enjoying it. Like he he relished his cousin sitting there in agony and being in pain. And he was like, you know, I'm glad he's hurt, you know, whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't like a feeling of remorse, like, oh, I hurt my cousin. Now, he did explain to me, and I asked him this point. I said, why, Joe, did you have such a problem with this, with your cousin? He said that he didn't realize being that young at the time that, the reason that he didn't like his cousin was because he was always getting preferential treatment and because everybody felt sorry for him in the family. Oh, his mom's got problems. He didn't know anything about his mom being on drugs and in jail. They were always like telling him, oh, his mom's on vacation and we're going to take care of him. So in his mind, he was just like some kid that was a, he was burdened with always having to be nice to share everything with. And he wasn't used to that. You know, he had an older sibling that he was a lot older than. And so he was almost like an only child. But then he had to deal with this kid. So like a substitute middle child, basically. So he yeah. was a younger child. But then sometimes mm -hmm. this kid would come and he make was him the, the middle. Stole his thunder. Yeah. And then, then when, you know, when the grandparents and the great aunts and uncles and the aunts and uncles came, it was always like, oh, poor Glenn, you know, and they babied him. So he felt like resentment toward this guy, you know, this kid. He had a spirit of resentment on him. And so he said that, you know, he was sitting there looking at this kid and going like, yeah, I'm glad he's hurt, you know. And he he heard something like a rustling, rustling and, and this was in the evening, and it was, it was already getting dark. And he looked over and he saw this thing come out of the bushes. And he said that it was it was like in between two like rows of bushes, like there was like some hedges and it was above the, the the bush, the bushes. He couldn't see the lower body, but he saw the upper body. And what did he say it looked like, Nelly? The, just the, the general. Calabas from Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. He asked me, he was like, have you ever seen Clash of the Titans? And I'm like, yeah, the older one or the new one? He goes, the old one. Where he's like, look what you've done to me. You know, and he's got... <laughs> And I was like, I love that movie. We started laughing about it. And uh, it was funny because like when, when I had talked to this guy, like he said that he never liked that movie after that. It freaked him out. He couldn't watch it because it looked like Calibus. Had these devil horns and it had the, the weird looking beard. Like it had the dark, the, the, the bronze color, everything, that, that dark bronze color. And he said that it, it, it had its weird looking arm and it came out over the bushes and it kind of moved itself. And he, he saw it and he goes, oh my gosh, I better go get my cousin, you know, and, and get out of here. Cause, and, and he said, even then he didn't feel like, oh, I don't want my cousin to be hurt. He just didn't want to get in trouble. So he runs over there and he's like, Glenn, get up, Glenn, come on, let's go. And at that point, Glenn was like, you did that on purpose. You knew that was going to happen. He started accusing him of it. And he, then he got madder at him and he's like, you know what? Stay here then. And he said that thing was like kind of walking behind the bushes and, and was coming toward them, you know, paralleling them. And he's like, Glenn, you need to get up. 
And at that point, he said that his cousin just elbowed him right in the lower abdomen. You know, didn't get him in his privates, but it it got him right above it. And he said that he felt like he was going to puke because he he elbowed him so hard. And he said that uh, his his cousin was bigger and stronger than him, even though he was you know a couple years younger. He was bigger and stronger because he said, "I'm not a real big guy. I'm kind of a runt." But my cousin was a big kid, you know. And so he he heard him and he goes, you know what? I'm glad I did it, you know. And I, and he's like, yeah, I, I did that, you know. So then they get back to the house. He just walks off and leaves his, his younger cousin. His younger cousin catches up. You know, he he looks. He doesn't see the thing by the bushes anymore, you know. And he walks back to the house. He thought maybe it was just like a figment of my imagination. Maybe I just saw that, you know, because of the, all the anger and the different emotions, you know, and the jealousy and everything. So he said that his younger cousin comes in and immediately blabs and tattles and says, yeah, you know, Joey had me point the gun at the at the windshield. He told me to do it, and I did it, and it almost put my eye out, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, poor baby. He gets punished, and then they get their BB guns taken away. And his dad was so mad at him that he, like, he threw his in the closet, and he didn't see it again for, you know, a long time. And so he was angry. You know, he was real mad. So that night they went to bed. And they argued back and forth, you know, and, and when they were, when they were saying things to each other, some of the things he was telling me kind of reminded me of that movie Step Brothers, where they're like, your family is hillbillies, you know, when they're going back and forth. And so they're sitting there and they're like arguing back and forth, like Step Brothers, you know, and he said, he goes, we were just going at it all night, just talking trash to each other. I hope you, I wish your eye would have got put out. I hope you die. You go to sleep and you die. And hope you get lead poisoning. And he was like, this BBs aren't even made of lead, you know, and they just were going back and forth. The things they were saying was pretty funny. It was kind of comical, but uh, so they told us this story and then, <laughs> you know, but then they went to sleep and in the middle of the night, okay, he hears this like loud thud, like boom. And the whole house shook. And Joey wakes up, he sits up in bed, and he's like, what the heck is that? And he sees it, he looks over, and Glenn's sound asleep. And this thing sticks its head around the corner. He could see it in the hallway, and his sister's room was right across the hallway, and he saw, like, this thing twist and turn its head and look into the room of his sister's room. And his sister's, like he said, she was, like, a lot older, you know, a lot older or whatever. And she's not there. She's not in there. And so she's, like, away in school or whatever. And this this thing turned and started to slink its way over back into over to where he, you know, his room. And then he said that he was thinking, am I seeing this? Is this really happening? Or is this, you know, he couldn't really make it out because it was dark. There was a, a, a glow from, an, an, if I remember correctly, it was a glow from a nightlight kind of in the corner of the room, but it wasn't really illuminating the hallway, but it was just enough of, of a light where he could see kind of, you know, so this thing, he, he saw it, what looked like it twisting its head into his room. And then it just kind of stopped. So he got out of bed, right? He got out of bed and he walks over there. And, and then right when he gets up to, to the doorway, this thing pops its head in and just like gets right in his face. And then it's like his head came in the room first and then his body kind of wrapped around uh, behind him. And he said that it was like right in his face and it had these nasty looking eyes and that it had this tongue that was flicking back and forth and it was making a noise. I don't know if I can do it. Um, like, like that. Is that is that as good? Is that is that pretty much how how it is, Nelly? I can't tell you. I think that's yeah. close to what you had in the beginning. Yeah, that, that, it was it was it, it was like it was making this clicking noise with its tongue, like 
And that's about as good as I could repeat how he did it. And he said, he goes, it sounded just like it was like, like a rhythmic noise. And he said that it was, the tongue was long and it was flipping out and coming out. And when you told me, when you did the research on it and you, you said that at the beginning of the show about the tongue thing, I thought that was crazy because I told Nelly about the tongue, you know? And, and so this thing was like flipping its tongue back and forth, coming at it, coming at him. And it, it like backed him all the way up to his bed and then it jumped on him, right? And it grabbed him and it literally put its like, like he, it's like he said that the, the fingers had like these little like knives almost on the end of it. Almost like if you took Freddy Krueger's gloves and you just put them on the ends of it, that that's what its nails were. And it just jabbed him into his shoulders and it lifted him up off the bed. And he said that he, and that he had like what looked like little pricks, like little uh, pricks all over his shoulders, you know, after this, this, you know, whatever. And it grabbed him and it picked him up off the off the bed, and it you know began to uh, tear, carry him like backwards out of the room. And he said that he looked down, and at that point he couldn't see any feet. He just saw his feet dangling in the air, and he kept trying to yell for his his uh, cousin, and he couldn't make any noise. It had stopped his. He said he was screaming like ah, and then it just stopped. And he's like there was no sound. You couldn't hear the the clip clop of this thing's feet, which you could hear before, like these thuds, and then you would hear a slight, like a shake, like a chain. And he said, but then there was no noise at all. It was like complete and utter silence. Like the silence was deafening to the point where it was like he he could feel the vibration of his throat. He could feel his body vibrating, trying to speak, but it was nothing. There was no sound. There was no sound at all. It was like it was completely gone. It was devoid of any sound. And he said that this thing took him and slung him over his shoulder. And that's when he looked down and he saw like this tail that was wiggling back and forth that looked just like the devil. Like he said, if you take the devil, you know how you draw the little tail with the tri- triangle? He said it had a little triangular tail and it was whipping around and it, it like smacked into the wall. And there was no sound at that point. And then as it left the room, he looked down by the light of the, uh, right when he was walking out of the room, he saw the back leg of this thing. He said it was just like straight down and it was like a hoof. Now I asked him about that and he, he said it wasn't goat. Like he said it was like smooth, like it was smooth. And I said, was it like a, like a donkey? You know, would, would he, he was like, yes, he, he leapt at that. And he was like, yes, it would be like a donkey's like, you know how a donkey has like smoother fur, you know? And he said it was like donkey like, but the upper body was like hairy and the, the hair was coarse and it looked like calibus, like, you know, and he said it was just like the devil. He looked like the devil, you know, and it was carrying him down the stairs. And he said that at that point, th- the sound came back, like he could talk again. And he said that the tongue continued to flick and and, the, and its head was turned sideways and he could s- see the tongue flicking all directions. And it was making that noise, you know, and like it was like it was almost like a snake, you know. And it was almost like its own entity, you know, it was like slithering it, itself down the, 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 like going down the railing and it was wrapping the garland and he was trying to clutch onto it, anything he could. He was scratching the, the post of the, of the railing going down the stairs and clutching and pulling on the garland and the, and the, uh, Christmas lights. And he was crying and he was crying and he was like, God help me. You know, he's crying anybody, anything, you know, crying for his parents and then he he screamed, you know, Glenn, help me, because he didn't know what else to do. And he looked at the top of the stairs, and there was his his younger cousin just standing there with his mouth wide open, just in shock. Like, this is actually happening. This thing is <laughs> carrying my cousin away, you know. 
and he stuck his hand out and immediately Glenn ran down the stairs. And he said in that moment, he saw his cousin crying and screaming to come and help him. And all that anger and all that hate and everything he had felt toward his cousin just started to dissipate. And he saw that horrible wound on his eye, under his eye of his cousin's eye. And he thought, he's like, you know, Wolf, this is what he told me. He's like, in that moment, he's like, I truly felt the spirit of God. I felt the spirit of Christmas and what it, what it really means to, to care about people. He goes, and I saw the, the fear in my, my cousin's eyes and how much uh, I had mistreated him and how mean I had been to him. And not even at that point knowing really how bad his life was. And he said, you know, I felt terrible. And in that moment, I told him, I was I've like, I was like, please forgive me, you know. And he, he said all my cousin did was he, he was a good kid. You know, all he wanted was to save his older cousin that he looked up to. And he stuck his hand out and he, and he they, they grabbed each other's hands. And in that moment, that weird looking tongue kind of whipped around and tried to pull their hands off, apart, you know, like it tried to. And then he said that, at that moment, he just dropped, boom, like, and he ended up at the bottom of the three step, the the bottom three steps on the staircase. And then they look around, and it's like nothing had happened. There was no, like, all the the the, the paint that was being torn off by his fingernails, and that thing knocking the garland, and all the the lights, everything was back in place, and they were just sitting there crying at the foot of the stairs. And there was a loud ruckus, a bunch of noise, and none of the adults, nobody had woke up to to ask what the heck is going on. And, you know, so he said they just like held each other and then they ran back upstairs to the room and then they apologized and they cried. And he was like, I'm sorry, you know, and he's looking at his eye and he goes, man, I could have blinded him in his eye, you know, for what I did. And uh, he said that that he feels like it was something that really happened because they both experienced it. His cousin saw it, and for the rest of their lives, they'll always remember that. And so I believe that that could have been uh, Krampus. I mean, he didn't tell me, hey, it was Krampus, you know, it came for me. But what do y'all think? I mean. Yeah, it's probably Krampus. I mean, you know me. I don't like to put anything into one box, definitely. Um, It has a lot of the same similarities that you see on the other stories. Um, I, I mean, I especially don't like to look at it that just because it's at Christmas that automatically it should be a Krampus story. But I, I, what's funny to me is that it seems like Krampus is like very, like as long as if, if you're on his list, then you're on his list. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that means like, yeah, you might be uh, good in the end, but he, if if you're on his list and you're meant to be taken, then he'll decide at his time <clears throat> or he'll test you. Which he's I, like the Punisher. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> he's, you know. like a, he's a very anti-hero. <laughs> he's very he's definitely anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so in that moment, to me, this is what I told him. I said, Joey, I'm going to tell you something. I'll be real honest with you. I said, like, you're a rotten individual, and I'm going to call Krampus up right now, and I'm going to make sure he comes to your house and gets you. You ain't getting away with this. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. You got away from Krampus? I'm going to make sure that does not happen again. That does All not right? happen again. I know other villains, okay? I do. I know him. Oh, oh, wow, Joey. What's your address? So we could just, you know, come and finish what he started. I know I Bane. I have a friend named Bane right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll call him up and come up there and break your back. No, I told Joey. I said, you know, Joey, I said, if you really believe that that's what, that you that you learned the true meaning of caring and whatever, then that, maybe that was the lesson, you know? And, and maybe it was just some sort of supernatural experience that happened to him and his cousin. I didn't talk to the cousin. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. 
I was a very busy guy, but, um, you know, and Joey seemed to believe he was very sincere. And he told me that he thinks that it was that, that maybe could have been what it was. Well, uh, here's the thing. <clears throat> Joey's not a bad kid. He's not like, you know, doing things. He does. He just doesn't understand. He didn't understand his cousin's, his cousin's situ- situation. Yeah. So he was just acting out in jealousy. You know, I mean, he's not right for what he did, but I understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he it's not that he really wanted to hurt his cousin. He just didn't. He was just. He just was acting out to show that, you know, yeah, I exist too, basically. And he was basically just trying to... I, I told Joe he did the right thing. He was establishing dominance. And yeah, I mean, Glenn needed to get his eye put out for him to show him what was up. And But I told him this. I said, now, that where you messed up, Joey, was when Krampus came into the room... I would have got off the bed and been like, "You want a box, bro?" I mean, you know, what's up? You know, and then I would have, I would have tagged him, and I would have tore his tongue out, and then I would have fried it up with some eggs, and I would have ate it for Christmas Uh, breakfast. Nope, nope, nope. I disagree (laughs) entirely. He messed up way before that. All right. Yeah. When he shot his um, cousin in the eye, I mean, he obviously didn't, but he orchestrated it. So it was basically the same thing. Uh, And his cousin dropped down on the ground. His cousin was obviously injured, and I thought you were supposed to just, you know. Like if a horse breaks its leg, you're just you put him you down. Put him down. It's you put in. him down. That's what it. can you do? And I mean, Take the I think Krampus was bam. just trying to come and like, hey, you didn't finish it off, so I'm just like, crack him upside the head, and then you yell to Calibus to come and get him. Yeah, exactly. He was there. He was ready. Dinner is served. Exactly. Wow. Merry Christmas, everybody. No, <laughs> this no, conversation. <laughs> so, so Nelly, what do you think of this story? Because that you said that one really touched you. Yeah, it's uh, sad. Like when he was reaching for his cousin, they were reaching for each other. And he saw that, you know, what he had done to his cousin, and he's since right. He ran up to them to save him, and he was reaching out for him. That's just, I don't know. That touched me. Yeah. Well, Krampus definitely touched them too. <laughs> <laughs> it, like I said, if it was Krampus, I mean, the the connection is that this happened to people when they were children. It happened around Christmas time, and it was something that could have been con- misconstrued as. A, a demon or or Krampus or yeah, I mean, Goatman definitely goes not crazy. misconstrued, but construed as Krampus. Yeah. I don't think a demon would let somebody go if they had him like that. He'd probably just turn around and grab the other one, took him too. Do you think they were tulpas though? That was that's another question that we had posed. Like, um, cre- oh, like tulpas uh, that were created by their own emotion and, and anger. No, because it thought for itself and it released them. Like a tulpa doesn't follow all the law, lo- doesn't follow any laws. Well, it and, follows the rules you make for it, basically. I don't know. Well, I just I think so, it's I like yin so. and yang. Well, You've got Santa Claus and you got Krampus. But I don't think Krampus is a bad guy. I mean, I don't. I mean, he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. No, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> Sounds like he's pretty bad to me. That tongue flicking and doing all kinds of crazy no, stuff. No, I think he's, that tongue, from what it sounds like, is like the it's... Reaper to me. He's he just, he's there to do a job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's construed, it's a bad job, but it doesn't mean that he... He throws the bad kids a beating. I say that, but I feel like Krampus definitely enjoys his job. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> it seems like he's very angry when these these people decide to be good. Yeah, I think that there's something, there's a lesson to be learned in all of this. And, you know, I think the lesson is that if you keep high-powered rifles close by when these these things come, and then you can unload rounds into them and you'll be fine. I don't think that's the lesson. I thought no? the lesson was no. that if you stretch your tongue out and walk on around hairily, then you can scare people and teach them and make them good, you know? Wow. Wow, Krampus is going to visit some people here. <laughs> Maybe. Do you, do you believe that Krampus has just like a really weird Beyond Scared Straight program? Is that what he's doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> if, 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 like I said, if this is really Krampus, I don't know. I well, mean, to I mean, me, it's just it demonic yeah, encounters with people. People. I don't would, believe it's demonic. I don't. Yeah, I don't either. These I don't seem know a little too. I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm not like I said. I don't believe. I, I made that mistake before of just putting things in a box too soon. So yeah, we can't do at that. at this point. I, I think that it's very similar. To but, but, but what the, I've the, read about Krampus. The descriptions are all different, though. Yeah, they're very different in minor things that mm. kind of make it to where, like, it could be. Do you think there's multiple Krampuses, then? Well, that that was the thing I was going to ask. Is, like, is it, like, an army of them? Yeah. And they're just, like, related or something? Do or, you think that uh, Santa Claus goes around just collecting goat men and uh, converting them <laughs> into Krampuses? <laughs> He's like, oh, ho, ho, ah, Merry Christmas. You're now my slave. I'm going to turn you into a Krampus. Yeah. And Santa's like doing all these crazy experiments and he's like got him hanging in chains in his workshop and he's like, and now you will go forth and do the deeds that I don't do. Well, then is Santa, I'm the good guy. Is Santa good or bad then? And Santa's bad because he? he's, yeah, he's, but he's, he's creating armies of Krampuses to do horrible things. Well, they're not meant to do horrible things if they're meant to teach lessons. Right? You heard the evil villain voice I just did for Santa. You think he's good? Give me a break, dude. I don't know. I, mean, I hope children aren't listening to this. This is just show Santa is, not... is just fine. He's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, and if you're good, Krampus won't come to you. Yeah. If you're the moral to the story is if you're good, Krampus won't come and throw you a beating. And if you're bad, then you just you'll be thrown out the window and whatever. I don't know. If you're bad, a, be good at the last moment and held on a metal a rod. It doesn't work like that, Tony. Like on Sleepy Hollow when that guy gets pulled and thrown out and, and, and impaled. Yeah, that's what's going to happen to you if you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. <clears throat> I guess that's it. I guess that's it for today, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our stories that that may or may not have been Krampus. But uh, that's our Krampus episode. I've worked on that for a year and a half and get, gathering those stories. And I'm delighted for the people. Thank you for the people that sent me these stories and that let me talk to them and got in touch with me. There's a list of people a mile long I'm trying to get in touch with, to talk to about various stories. So just please be patient with me. Bear with me. I'm one man. I am one man trying to do these things. Well, I mean, if, that, if this episode proved anything, it's that, like, even if we don't get to it eventually, we will. I mean, we don't – even you couldn't do it last year. So, yeah, we yeah. made sure to do it this year. Yeah. So, I mean, we will get to you as, as, as much as we can. It's just we don't have the most people here. So Yeah. I had a couple stories ready for Easter already. One of them from your friend, Nelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them from Nelly's friend. She told me the other day, so I think we're going to have to throw that one out there. But, uh, folks, we will be back. Um, I hope you like and subscribe on YouTube. That's how we actually make a little money. Uh, we try to uh, keep the commercials down to a minimum, as always. And we're trying to grow our show. So like and subscribe, but tell people about it. We're on several different platforms. We're hoping to get sponsors, and, and then we won't have to – just push, you know, the YouTube thing so much. And, you know, we're just going to, we're just continuing to try to put out a good product and, 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 you know, get people to listen. Uh, so please support us any way you can. Um, we're not asking you to make donations or whatever, but maybe buy a shirt or a hoodie or something, you know, yeah, from, something for Christmas, something for Christmas, buy PRT gear. What, what, what could be more Christmassy than some crazy paranormal sweatshirt? Yeah. That sounds ridiculous. But anyway, do it anyway because you know what? I actually, you know, I'll be real honest with you. I know Krampus. D don't make me call him up. All right. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm not threatening. I mean, you I'm not threatening. You, you think we just sit up here joking about Krampus without like getting his okay? We're not. Yeah. We're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not threatening. I'm just saying. I know things. I know people. I know some people. That's all. Folks, for hopefully from whatever bed you're hiding under from Krampus or whatever bed, the corner you're hiding from Krampus under the bed, 
Uh, everybody have a Merry Christmas uh, and a Happy New Year. And we're probably going to do another Christmas uh, paranormal show. Probably, maybe, maybe not. We're not for sure. We got a lot of stuff and you know that we got loaded and ready to go. But we'll see what happens. And so from everyone here at PRT, from me, Tony, Anthony, Nellie, good night. Good night. Good night.